Welcome to the ninth episode of VSML 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me this season is the guy who we told before the season that he had to enjoy himself, but he still isn't doing it, David Bindley. Should we quibble, quibble, quibble? Oh, always. And for once, I'm just going to get right into it. Did you enjoy the finale? Uh, I, I enjoyed about the first 40 minutes, and, they, and then they went to the final test, and it sort of became obvious like how they kind of forgot to do this last episode, if that makes sense. Yeah, I kind of like the way they did the final test, I'll be honest. I actually preferred the second half to the first half, because the first half was just, you know, obvious nonsense with that final three challenge. Yeah. But I kind of like the way they did the final test and the shock that Daniel actually got of, shit, allegedly both of these people are on me. Which, I mean, obviously both of those people are wrong. Yeah. And I did warn you before we started recording that I do have a fair amount of parish notices to get through. Yep. Should I bring a chair in? Yeah, you, you probably need to buy yourself a chair at this point. Okay. So obviously Belkia is back eight days after this season finishes. We will be back as soon as uh, as soon as we can. Marika has said that there will be some form of subtitling for the Belgian season, which is great. Whether that is her doing it, whether that's Natalia doing it, or whether that's kind of a bit of Google Translate, but us being able to source the subtitles we don't know for certain yet but um just know that belgium will be back and obviously we'll be doing as much content about belgium as we physically can it's also looking like bindles is going to be subbing in for logan for at least one or two of those episodes as well at the start of the season because he's still traveling he's in cambodia i get to experience stupid sexy flanders you do he's finally shaved off his stupid beard oh finally by his own admission on instagram earlier on the subject of scheduling, there's something weird going on with both Race Across the World and Hunted, one of which is obviously relevant to the podcast, one of which isn't, in that we still haven't had Celebrity Hunted come out yet, which means Normo Hunted is probably going to be very late again this year. The plans for our Hunted recaps are fairly well known at this point, but if Channel 4 decides to double up per week, we will only be doing one episode a week. Sod their schedule, we'll do it on ours. But yeah, Race Across the World has got a date on Wikipedia now to say that it's premiering on March 22nd. But the program information for that week came out earlier and there's no sign of it. It's definitely soon because we've had a trailer, but it doesn't seem that Wiki is telling the truth just yet. There's no sign of most things when you end up stuck in Canada. Very true. I mean, dial-up, any form of human conversation, money, they still use money rocks in Canada, I'm led to believe. Calculators. Yep, calculators. Any form of modern technology, just don't expect to see it in Canada. Pens that have the ink inside the pen. Yeah, very true. I mean, pens generally, they're still Mm. on pencils in Canada. And talking of complete backwardsness, do you know where Logan is? I do. He's in Las Vegas. Yeah, he's receiving careers advice from Rachel Riley, which is good considering she's got experience. There we go. Which is good, considering she's got experience as a boxer, mascot, astronaut, baby-proofer, trucker, hippie, snowplow driver, food critic, conceptual artist, grease salesman, carny, mayor, bodyguard for the mayor, country western manager, garbage commissioner, mountain climber, farmer, inventor, supervising technician, technical supervisor, fortune cookie writer, missionary, and... Wait, that was Homer Simpson. She lied to us. Rachel Riley lied to us. How dare she? How dare she indeed. And something that greatly amused me today, we're recording this on Monday, and at about 12 o'clock this afternoon, the applications for Jeopardy UK finally came out. Everyone knew it was coming from, like, April last year when my friend did the pilot. 
but we finally got applications, and one of the casting people has already been banned from at least two subreddits for spamming them with applications for Jeopardy. Oh, perfect. There's your daily double. Yeah, because she basically daily doubled down on posting it on any UK subreddit she could possibly think of, and it really amused me how quickly some of those have got deleted already. (laughs) She's been downvoted into oblivion on it. And Logan has finally caught up with the season, as he posted on Instagram and as we reposted on our Instagram. He has now gone through every single week of his suspicions, and I can't remember which ones I've read out, so I'm just going to read them all out. So he began with Fraukia, Renomi, Anka, Sander, Daniel, Nabil, Soy, Yura, Anik, and then Sarah. Then it was Renomi, Anka, Fraukia, Sander, Soy, Anik, Daniel, Yura, Nabil. Anka, Renomi, Daniel, Anik, Yura, Nabil, Soy, Sander, who he described as an idiot and potentially the worst one-episode performance in Mole history. Then Daniel, Anka, Nabil, Yura, Renomi, Soy. Anka, Yura, Daniel, Renomi, Nabil, Soy. Anka, Renomi, Yura, Daniel, Soy. Daniel, Renomi, Yura, Soy. Daniel, Yura, Soy, Renomi. And of course, this week... He suspects Naylor and her broken ankle. (laughs) And one piece of wonderful feedback that we did have from uh, John Dolan on Facebook, who said that we basically didn't discuss how Anka went home if her bond was with the first and only person to be on Yora this season. Which is a very good point, we didn't. I think it was like one of those situations where they're not telling the complete truth with each other. Yeah, I think the deal may have been... And obviously, zero source on this, but this is kind of how I've interpreted it. Because they basically made it a suicide pact, the logic was that if they're on completely different people, then the person who survives after the execution will know who not to target. Yeah. So I think in episode one, it was established that basically they had a bond structured around the idea of, if one of us goes home, you know who not to suspect. And I think I think that's probably what it boils down to, is the fact that Anchor and Daniel deliberately suspected different people so that whoever was left would know roughly who not to suspect. Yeah, and I think episode one, Anchor was on Renomi, which would explain a lot about this episode. Yeah. So previously, Yora used his more money knowledge to get Soy to become the treasurer. Everyone went on safari where they wanted to impress a world-famous photographer, but Yora was the one who won the exemption up to Fanala. The others sat the test, including questions requiring knowledge of the future, before putting those choices to the test at the laser game and being told they were all through to episode 9. And they are still allegedly in wilderness, and Rick says there is one more assignment before the execution, one that could win money, but also allow them to control their mole through the answers they selected at the test. It is not important to Yoris, he's already through though, but for Daniel, Renomi and Soy, it is about to get tense. I usually don't find anything to talk about with the preview but there was like a really funny cut in this one where like you see Yura being like I want a really big butt and then you see Renomi being excited about the butts and then you just see Daniel going oh hello. I think the editors have slightly changed this season. Yeah. There's definitely something that's changed this season. Yeah it's not as tight as it used to be. I kind of appreciate it not being so tight to be honest just like Yura with the butts but Mm. it definitely feels like a different vibe this season and I know we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. Yeah. Because let's be honest, there won't be much to talk about with the reunion. There never is. Especially not when we already know most of the sabotages. Yeah. So the episode title is Moldate, and Renomi says that this was the first morning that they knew exactly what they were going to be doing, and that is abseiling. And it is day 17 in Sitsikama, 144 kilometres east of Wilderness, and 185 kilometres from the artist formerly known as Port Elizabeth. And on my holiday, we actually went directly past Sitsikama on the way to Safari. 
you know who else has been to Sitsukama? Hamarot's Lemillion. It's the first place they ever went. I knew I recognised the name, because mm. it's one of those things where, obviously, I really struggle with a lot of place names on LOL. You take the piss out of me mercilessly for it. I do. But it's one of the reasons that I know how to say Sitsukama, yeah. is because we went right past it and I googled what it was. So when it came up on the screen, I'm like, oh shit, I'm really going to have fun pronouncing that. And I'm like, I know how to pronounce it. I know exactly where it is. It's Sitsukama. Like, I didn't recognise it at first when they did the paragliding there last week or the week before. But then as as soon as, you know, we realised it was abseiling, I'm like, oh, Haberantz did abseiling there. So the paragliding was actually closer to George. Hmm. The paragliding was about 150, 200 kilometres from Sitsukama. Sitsukama is by far the furthest east they have gone for any challenge or anything this season. And in fact, one thing I did notice, and I think I've got it in my notes later, is the fact that actually, if you look at a map of South Africa with its cities, between the South Africa season in 2013 and this South Africa season, they've covered all but one major South African city. So we we should expect Durban in season 33? No, they went to Durban for, um, for the end of 2013. Oh. That's where the reveal was, and I never knew that. Oh. I think. <laughs> It might have been where they ended episode eight, actually. But um, yeah, they've definitely been to Durban. This isn't going to be like some sort of tricky only connect question where the answer is Sun City, is it? No, no, it's it's genuinely real. There is a very major South African city that neither season went to. There's oh. only one. Not off the top of my head. Bloemfontein. Oh, is the only one. One of uh, one of South Africa's capitals. Hence why I said it was a major city. It's a world famous major city. Yeah, just for the record, um, they did go to Durban in episode six. It was the end of the stupid flying across South Africa assignment. It was Pretoria that the season ended before anyone writes in. That episode with the helicopters, uh, the the flying, is maybe my least favourite mole episode ever. I know, that's why I mentioned it. And there's like two or three episodes this season that come pretty close. So Rick meets them in front of a table of boxes with colours and shapes on top of them. Inside one of the seven boxes is 2,000 euros, and using their memories of the challenges that they've already done will increase their chance of winning money. Individually, they will abseil and receive six calls, and each message is about a situation during an assignment. The more they remember, the more they will be led to the right box. And the group pretty much divides immediately into Soy and Daniel, who are shit scared of this assignment, as probably you should be with those rickety-ass bridges and going straight down a cliff face, and Yora and Renomi, who are, you know, wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and Sawyer tries to decide the order and claim it's not because he wants to use his test answers Daniel wants Yora to go first Renomi gets a choice though and can't remember what she said but she puts herself first and Daniel in third meaning that neither Sawyer or Daniel will get the point from it good for her did you also notice the GoPros or whatever were on the helmets had a really weird filter on them no there was, there was loads of black blurring around the edges of them yeah. on all four of them and I don't know whether it's a post-production thing and it's going to end up being a clue or something, but yeah, there was some sort of weird filter on those cameras. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I noticed like the camera work in this challenge was really, really bad, just because I think because the way the cliff was, you couldn't get a close-up on their face, and then the helmet camera was pointing outwards to you know show you what the contestants were seeing. So we never really got to see any of them react to anything at any point during this challenge. So Renomi begins getting her calls, and her and Sawyer taking the first three, with Daniel and Yura taking the last three. Sarah tells her that if the juror picked her out in the choir challenge to go for a green box, 
and Sarah was not picked, so Green is wrong. Sawyer's second, Yura tells him he got it, and then he immediately winces. The second call is from Fraukia. She says if she was in a group with Daniel and Renomi in the steel mill, then to open a small box, and she was. Soy foolishly looks down and panics a little. And the third call is from worst person to ever be on the mole according to Logan, Sander. If he was on the icebreaker with Nabil and opened the envelope saying that yokers could be earned during the assignment, they need to open a chest with a square, and he was. Renomi reaches the bottom and says she enjoyed the assignment. And Soy says he's used to adrenaline fuel challenges, but panics on the abseil. And I think we've discussed our respective histories with abseiling, so I'm not going to get back into it, but I hit a wall, you hit a wall even harder than I did, I believe. Yep. Neither of us like an abseil. This would have been a nightmare challenge. Oh, yeah. There is not a way in hell you would have even got me to that little bridge. Daniel goes third. He's told to try and enjoy himself, but he knows he won't. This is a brilliant episode for Daniel, by the way, even though we've obviously seen so much of, of Daniel this season so far. He was absolutely no nonsense this episode. It was great. Hmm. Got a lot of Daniel being no nonsense. We got a lot of Renomi being very nonsense in all of the good ways. It was like a really fun episode for Renomi. I kind of wish we got to see more of this, you know, all season. And we even got like soy being no nonsense at one point. Yeah, everyone's just done with Yura's bullshit by this point, I think. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. Daniel says he's been on a plane, he's paraglided, he has already reached his limit of his efforts. Soy misses the second goal but picks up the third one. And the call is from Anik, and if she got out of the maze in time, then they can open a chest with a circle. He misses the fifth call and gets the sixth one as he's landing, and it's Anchor, and she says if she arrived third in the hedge maze, they can open a big box. To his credit, Daniel does abseil, but decides not to do any of the calls, because, you know, why would he? He's too focused on not hitting things and not falling. Yeah. He decides just to not do the assignment properly. You know, we stand that sort of attitude. We do, especially in a season like this where the challenges haven't been that complicated, so yeah, it's not like you're really missing a huge deal. Like This isn't like like some of the other seasons, like Hong Kong, Philippines, where some of those challenges were so detailed and so intricate that you know if one person basically decides, I don't want to do it today, everyone else is completely up shit crook. So Yura goes last and asks if he can do it with two hands. He answers all of the calls, but ignores the first three, as agreed. The fifth call is from Nabil. If his group earn nothing during the road trip, they can open a red box. And he says that it is hard to remember. Rick meets them and taunts them that not everyone heard all the information, but he does say that they have enough to find the money. Daniel leaves Renomi and Soy to lead the conversation, and he learns the assignment was all about the eliminated contestants, and if he said he hadn't heard anything, then Yura would have been free to mole. And they are looking for a box that is small, not green, Square, not circle, red, and not big. So the correct box was the one with a small red square. Yura tries to convince them that it's a big box, but Soy overrules him, and they pick the small blue square box, and it contains a thousand euros. And Rick then announces that it is time for execution. I, I love that Yura pretended he didn't know Nabil's group made no money in the road trip when he was in that group for like two whole days, and that's all they did. When all they did was spend money and not earn it. Yeah. Everyone chats at lunch, and Soy and Daniel are proud of doing the abseil at all. And Renomi says if this is it, she's glad she experienced lots. Daniel says he has a good feeling, but he's also excited to know who's on the right track. Rick says in Amsterdam they started as four unsuspecting candidates, but a phone call changed everything for one person, a transformation which required nerves of steel and a poker face. 
The search began much earlier than expected for the contestants, and the game for the mole of lying and cheating did too. Six people have fallen, and now it is time to find out who is number seven. I thought the wording that Rick used was very interesting there, because he said nerves of steel, presumably as a reference to the steel mill, and poker face, which has obviously appeared about four or five times by this point. Mm-hmm. Daniel gets a green screen, guaranteeing that either Logan or Michelle is going to lose their entire team. Soy is the second to get typed in, and he gets the red, sending him home, and for the first time since Vies de Mole Renaissance, eliminating Michelle Pierce Denovan from the pool. Ah, I'm, I'm so glad Rick's curiosity is sated, though. Yeah, and to the credit of the producers, I'm very glad they told us Soy got the red screen in the winery. Because we kind of knew it, but that's the sort of thing that they love to hide until the reunion. And I was fully expecting us to not get any information on it until the reunion. So I was pleasantly surprised to find out halfway through this episode that they are fully admitting that Soy got the red screen in the winery. He seemed genuinely sad to be eliminated. Yeah, because I think he was on the right track and he was making all the right noises last episode by saying that, oh, I'm definitely going 100% on Yura. And he can't have gone 100% on Yura. He must have still hedged his bets. Because there is no way that Renomi going all in on Soy, as she probably did, and maybe getting a couple of the bonus questions right, was enough to eliminate him. Unless he spread. And I think it's very interesting because he sort of screwed himself out of a place in the final, I think. Because him and Yora have been such a pair all season long that it's allowed Renomi's suspicion of Soy to still earn points when it's questions about the groups. So maybe she dropped a few points on questions like who is the mole, or when did the mole abseil, potentially because she obviously decided the order. But because Soy and Yura were a package deal, it maybe eliminated him in the process if he spread too much. That's the only way I can kind of see Soy going home if he was onto Yura, which we believe he was. I did quite like the little bit after he got eliminated where he, like, it seemed really obvious that he knew Daniel was going to win, I guess because of the maze. And it, and then he goes and congratulates Renomi. And then all, all of a sudden, just in the back, you is basically like, oh, I'm going to win. And so I was like, okay, boomer. Yeah, the exact quote from um, from Yura, because I did write this down because it made me laugh so much, was, I'm going to win it for you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he did, yeah, whatever, Yura, and it was wonderful. So, yeah. He says he was totally on the wrong track. He was lucky to get through, though, and received the red screen in the winery, and he's grateful to get this far. I will also say I can guarantee Michelle has not seen this episode yet, because as soon as she does, I am going to get an abusive message on Facebook going, you absolutely are a bastard for doing the switch. Because the (laughs) amount of times, the amount of times that I have used the switch on Michelle to cause trouble, this is the (laughs) first time in at least four seasons, that it has worked out for me. I do it to be a shit to her, and it has finally worked. You're welcome. Because if I hadn't done that, we would have all had one person in the final three, because Logan had Renomi, I would have had Daniel, and she would have had Yura. She would have won the season, I would have been second, and Logan would have been last. But I'm not letting Michelle win another season. So, yeah... It's looking increasingly likely that I'm going to win the season, which I'm very happy about. (laughs) And she doesn't know yet, and she's going to get rather angry with me. And I can't wait. (laughs) So at dinner, they cheers to being in the final. 
And of course, Yura has to make a toast to himself. Of course, yeah, that'll be a clue, duh. And they are in the Ilali restaurant, which is actually in Wilderness for only the second time this season. Yay! Yura wants to ask everyone who they think will win. Renomi and Daniel say Renomi will, but Yura says Daniel. And she says she's going for the win, and they don't believe in themselves enough. And it is day 18 in Mosul Bay, 62 kilometers from Wilderness. Rick meets them by a speedboat, the freaky fast boat to be precise. And they're not wearing their finale clothing, but they're going to change into some wonderful clothing for the challenge to win the final 2,500 euros of the season. They begin dressed as typical American tourists. Yura and Daniel look like two old aunts, and Renomi is closer to a fisherwoman. Hang on a second. Daniel looked like an American tourist. Yura looked like Yura. Yeah, Yura managed to style it out by wearing more beaded necklaces than he normally does, I think. Yeah, they're making fun of these awful clothes, but honestly, this is just what Yura's been wearing all season. And like, by the end of the challenge, Renomi is just dressed as Renomi. Daniel is the yeah. only one who makes any sort of effort in this challenge. So each person has a picture of what they need to change into, and they have ten minutes to do it while being dragged around on the speedboat. And I just have one note, which is, it all seems very fun to do, but to talk about, no. Like, as, as much as I liked the music in this whole sequence, this challenge is... One of those ones that's like a great sight gag, but it's not a good full challenge, especially not as the last one of the season. It kind of feels like the sort of thing Belgium would do about, you know, final five, final six, where they'd split the cast and three people would be on the boat getting changed, while the other three people have the photos of the clothes and have to try and explain it to them. Yeah, it needed something else to, you know, make it interesting. Yeah. And Daniel's is worth a thousand euros, and... What is the only way to mole in this challenge, Bindles? Throw it away! Mm, it is indeed, and in fact, in a rare moment of bad editing for this season, you can see Yura do it. Oh. I've just sent you a screenshot on Facebook that I have prepared, and I will post this on uh, on Twitter as well when the episode goes up, but you can literally see Yura open his hand. Oh, you can too. I went through the episode frame by frame to get this, because I spotted it at the time, and I'm like, am I mis- misinterpreting this? But he flails about with the bag, and then just kind of opens his hand and just lets it fly off. Because it's a way to guarantee a thousand euros goes goes flying away, appropriately. Don't worry, they fished it out afterwards. Yeah, this, this is what I mean. Like They knew exactly what was going to happen. They told Yura to do that, evidently, and put him at the back of the boat where there was absolutely nobody watching him. But it's not a fun challenge to talk about. No. So there's a moment of rest when the boat turns around. They come close to Daniel's outfit, but as I said, Yora threw the last item off the back. And Yora is already basically wearing the 500 Euro one, so they do him next. And he says it's the weirdest assignment ever, and he isn't wrong. As much as this was supposed to be like a, you know, psychic challenge, I think my favourite visual out of the whole thing is getting off the, the boat and Renomi just holding the hand back. Yeah, because Renomi by that point has shed literally all of her bonus clothing. Renomi is just dressed in a life jacket by that point, because she doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And they return to the dock, and Rick says that Anka's eyes would bleed at the outfits, but he tells them that they earned absolutely nothing of 2,500 euros for the challenge, 1,000 euros of 4,500 for the episode, and 11,650 of 50,685 for the season as a whole. Sort of weird that we get like a, a solid 25-30 seconds of filler scene here with them swimming at that dock. 
and and somehow three-time Olympic gold medalist swimmer Renomi is the least comfortable in the water. And something I thought was very interesting about the part, given that we now know the complete numbers for it, is it is the highest percentage earned of a pot outside of like Renaissance, which obviously they were going to throw money at since China. Mm. None of the other early 20 seasons have given away nearly as much money as this season did, obviously. But even percentage-wise, it's 23% of the maximum, appropriately, wow. compared to an eighth of the maximum last season. I guess it helps when you've got so many challenges that don't have cash prizes. And in, in terms of seasons we covered, Japan was 30.61, 21.53 for Hong Kong Philippines, 11.11 for uh, for Oregon, because they had the weird doubly challenge, 30.56 for Georgia, Colombia was 8.78, China was 25.3, Renaissance was 36.9, then Czechia was 19.55, Albania was an eighth, and then 23% this season. And for Belgia, it's 28.64, 28.76, 26.79, 39.41, 19.25, 18.06, and 28.45, respectively. I have also got in this table the historian season that we haven't announced yet, and I'm not going to tell anyone what it is. So Yura had the wrong hat, and there is a black and a dark blue one, so they don't earn his 500 euros either. And Rick also tells them that they need to prepare for the final test, but first they will receive a call from the mole. Daniel asks if this is to do with Yura's 600 euros that is still not in the pot, but he says no. Each of them enters the theatre once more to be presented with the Bakelite telephone. Daniel's the first to go, and the mole does Rick's usual bullshit speech about why they all might be the mole. He's told that if he knows who the mole is, then he will be given the opportunity to have a one-on-one meeting with them later. It's weird that the mole's doing those speeches, because it kind of feels like they ran out of money to pay Rick halfway through this episode, and then he just disappeared for the last... 25 minutes. Yeah, I know it's a perpetual rumour, especially when you get five years into hosting Vidim, but do you think Rick is going to be leaving after this season? I think I think if he doesn't leave after this season, next season will be the last season. But this season, like there were huge chunks of this season where he just didn't turn up at all. Like he, he doesn't turn up until about 40 minutes into the premiere. Like he does his little intro speech and then we get that big long walk away because they re- they needed so much filler. But he doesn't interact with anyone until the end of the crate challenge from memory. He's not on screen at all during the road trip. Uh, he disappears halfway through this episode. And even like some of the other challenges where you'd probably expect him to be there a little bit more, he's not. So I wonder whether that's, you know, just like a COVID thing or whatever. But it kind of feels like he's checked out a little bit. Yeah, this whole setup this season in terms of Rick feels very reminiscent of Art in Georgia. Because if you think about Georgia, in a lot of the same ways, Art didn't appear until the end of the premiere in Georgia. Yeah. He didn't appear after the final test at all in the finale. He appeared on the screen and that was it. He didn't even meet the final three face-to-face and say, you're not the winner, you're not the loser, you're not the ball. He didn't do the live reveal with them because obviously they were doing it in, in Vondel Park at that point. It feels very reminiscent of a this is my swan song, see you later moment from Rick. And I obviously don't know anything and in a couple of weeks we're going to get into the rumours about maybe Belkir ending with 11 for a little while. But it felt very reminiscent of Art's departure in Georgia and 
obviously this season isn't nearly as good as Georgia, but it felt very reminiscent of Art basically not always appearing in Georgia when he maybe could have or should have. Although Art was a lot more present in Georgia than Rick was this season. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm mainly thinking the premiere and the and the finale is the comparison. But due to the structure of the Georgia premiere, which is a fantastic episode if you've never seen it before, Art basically didn't appear until the end of it. And the weird structure of their finale meant that as soon as Art said, your time starts now in the final test, he didn't physically appear with anyone until the rest of the season, basically, until the reunion. Yeah. So Renomi is second. She's a woman who keeps a cool head and knows how to perform under pressure, but has lost the game a lot and given important chances away to candidates. And Yura's last. Apparently he's the best boy in class, someone who wanted each assignment to succeed, but has he done that to butter up other candidates? We then begin to see the final test scene, and also one-on-one conversations with people chatting to their moles, and Yura apparently being on Daniel. It is now time for the final test, 40 questions about the identity and actions of the mole all through the season. Whoever knows most will go home with 11,650 euros and be the one person to unmask the mole. I didn't mind the like the interview part of this, but doing the final test basically in a black room kind of feels like a metaphor for the entire season. Yeah, I was going to comment on that, in the fact that they have all these wonderful, iconic locations that they could have used. For example, literally anywhere on the coast in South Africa in Mosul Bay, or allegedly within 200 kilometers of wilderness, because that still technically counts, apparently, this season. Mm. And then they choose to do it in a black box of some description. And being perfectly honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they did the final test a week after coming back and just did the interviews with their moles on the same day and did it somewhere in Amsterdam. It feels like that to me. Because we never actually see Rick say, you're about to do your final test. And most importantly, we don't have Rick doing a voiceover saying it's time for the final test, 40 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. We have a candidate, and I can't even remember who it is, saying the final test is 40 questions. But that is all we get of the final test announcement, and that's weird. And we and we did get in all three of the phone calls, you know, you'll get to talk to your mole next week. So either they actually did this next week or they did it at the time and they're sort of breaking the fourth wall and trying to say it's only a week between filming the end like filming the end of the season and the live reveal, which honestly, people are not that stupid. It's twenty twenty three. I'll be honest, until they announced what it actually meant, I was fully expecting them to say, you can do it, but it'll cost you a thousand euros out of the park. Because also of interest is the fact that Rick doesn't say that 11,650 is the final money in the pot. He basically just says, see you later to the final three and then never sees them again. Does that 11,650, does that count the 600 that Eurus got? Yes. Yeah, it's specifically mentioned in the episode that it's 11,650 with euros, 600 euros included. Okay. It's very hard to say euros, euros, especially at the speed that I talk. Um, there is an implication, because I know this came up on the Barbers Bar Discord earlier, that Daniel is now the treasurer. But we don't know for certain, and we don't really need to know because they don't earn any money after Soy's gone home anyway. Mm. But the implication is that Daniel has the pot now. And we know for a fact that the 11650 includes Euros 600. So Euros and Daniel, he was at the forefront of the icebreaker and didn't even give them a millisecond to choose whether they were going for Yokers or not. 
He is a mole who is naturally fanatic. A mole wants yokers and not money. He likes sport very much, but insisted on being with Anik rather than going for the physical exertion task in the duck assignments. He was very obvious in the maze, being first inside and going for the hardest routes and the highest amounts straight away. He is 120% sure that Daniel is the mole. The gentleman doth protest too much. Yeah, here's the thing. If I said Daniel is on Yura, he was at the forefront of the icebreaker and didn't even give them a millisecond to choose if they were going for yokers, he's a mole who's naturally fanatic, a mole wants yokers, not money. That would be entirely believable. For yeah. me to be saying that from Daniel's point of view there. Because cast your mind back to the icebreaker assignment in the corridors on the way there, him, Soy, and Daniel all agreed that they were going for yokers as soon as Rick gave them the choice. Daniel didn't lead that. And if we're going to talk about anyone this season being obsessed with yokers rather than money, you have to point the finger at Yorick look. Yeah. And even like when they actually got to Rick and got the offer. Daniel looks at Yura, you know, gets a head nod, and then says they'll take the money. Because, like, I commented on it at the time. Yeah. Like, I get Yura's alleged points about Daniel likes sports very much, but insists on being with Anik because he didn't want to do physical exertion. And the whole him going into the maze first, which is the best place to sabotage thing. But the rest of that stuff 100% applies to Yura just as much as it applies to Daniel. Yeah. And I'm saying this as someone who would love it if Daniel is revealed as the mole purely because he was my first choice in week one, and it stops you getting a clean sweep. Oh, shut up. But if you listen to Yura say that stuff, you have to realise it applies to Yura as much as it applies to Daniel. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, Daniel picks Yura. He's not surprised that he was picked by Daniel. Based on the tests he's already done, and those who he trusted, which I'm assuming is a reference to Anchor going home, having completely different suspicions and ruling people out for him, he can be sure that the mole is Yora. In the prop warehouse, he made it impossible to see what was represented. In the duck assignment, Yora rushed to open the envelope and erase the amount that was earned. And he asked whether Yora is willing to be honest and say if he was at the front or the back of the duck, but he refuses to say to try and make Daniel flounder. The creepy hotel was the first time he saw Yora do something with the insider information. He mistranslated Ronomi's word and Daniel caught him out for it. And Yora says he is honoured to be suspected by Daniel. Renomi picks Daniel. She bet on Soy last test, but he went home. He didn't expect to be suspected by Renomi, and she recognises so much of Daniel's fanaticism in herself. He's always used tactics, but not in the crate maze, and he earned them a thousand euros in the paraglide, but in the process, stopped them winning two thousand. He picked her as the winner because she's good at the game, but if she's the winner, then he is the mole. She has always said that he's either winner or mole. Daniel's wish came true at the laser game, but he got shot quickly, and for the first time she's sure... Daniel Velan is the mole. They then all talk about the bond that they made with the seven losers, but snore. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah, kind of feels like they just forgot to end the episode. Yeah, it's such a weird ending to the episode. It's just like, yeah, Renomi's sure Daniel's the mole, but Renomi's wrong. Also, everyone was lovely. We had a fun time. Bye. So next time, all is revealed as Daniel wins the season and Yura is revealed as the mole. Sorry, is that a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> If, that, if that's a spoiler, I'm in so much trouble. So with Soy going home in the pool, it does mean that Michelle's team is no more, Logan's only hope is Renomi, and I have the hopeful final two of this season in Daniel and Yura. Removing Soy also removes Michelle's team altogether in first suspicions, and if you adjust, Logan's is now 2.11 out of 3, and mine is 1.95. 
No one had Saurian last, but we do have a new leader, which is a Fuzzy Orange with a score of 7 with a minimum of 6. And only two people, which is Femka and a Fuzzy Orange, have a score below 10. Only one person, Matt, had Soy at number 1. And the order on First Suspicions is now Yura, Daniel, Renomi, which is sort of that from last week. And as of Sunday evening, Yura is the most suspected person by the Netherlands with a massive 46%, followed by Daniel on 30 and Renomi on 24. As always, you can do the suspect list from Brothers Bar each week at suspectlist.rtvwarriors.com or at the link in our bio. And it is the very last week of the suspect list, so don't forget to get them in. And spoilers, because nobody else knows this yet, I will not be revealing the results until we podcast next week. So the podcast will be a live reaction to who, Bindles, wins the suspect list. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah, I thought that earlier. I'm, I'm like, should I do it when I watch the episode on Sunday? Nah, I'll do it on Monday evening. It'll be more fun. We should get Michelle to do next week's podcast so we can just rub it in. Oh, no. Michelle's going to have a fat wire out on me by the uh, by the time we record next <laughs> week's episode. <laughs> so, yeah, the last the last question, as always, who do you suspect? Hmm, I wonder. Uh, Rick? I mean, you asked Miss Guardian's Logan this week thinking that Naylor and her broken ankle are the mole. Yeah, it's you, yeah, obviously. It's obviously your, as much as I don't want you to get the clean sweep on first suspicions, and on our suspicions, and on the suspect list, yeah, it's it's your. Yeah, I think either of the other two would be more satisfying, or uh, that would certainly be more interesting, but it's your. I do think from a comedy point of view, me introducing you at the start of the season going, Bindle's suspicions are even worse than mine are, is hilarious in retrospect, if you do get a clean sweep. Yeah. The other thing that I want to mention as well, um, given that we don't really do this on the podcast, but I was looking at our stats last night, and a lot of people, unsurprisingly, still listen on Apple Podcasts. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate us, please review us, tell a friend, because in the lead-up to Hunted and Belgian Mole, both of which do tend to do very good business for us, I have to say, it would be really nice to keep increasing our listeners and keep bringing in more of a community. So, for once, I am going to say this. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Just tell a friend, basically. Welcome, new listeners. There's usually fewer dick jokes. Eh, I won't go that far. But, like, you had a really nice tweet a few days ago about your I contribution did. to the podcast this season. Which I thought was very sweet when you screenshotted it. Yeah. And sent it to me. And it's stuff like that. We really enjoy doing the podcast, obviously. But mm. also, we really enjoy the attention. So if you want to tweet us, then please do. And just say nice things about us. Obviously, reviews can only be accepted if they are five-star ones. So, you know, I hate to say it, but you do have to rank us five stars. Yeah. And if you want to rank us three stars, go and do it on a podcast about US Mall. Yeah. If you want to give us a three-star review, then we are called Robbers the Podcast. If you want to give us a five-star review, we're Reality TV Warriors. Um... (laughs) But yeah, obviously it would be really nice if you can tell a friend, if you know people who like Dutch Mole, do what Logan's done and start giving all our information to random Dutch people who are following us on Instagram now, because that's blowing up my phone every single time I I look. It's like, oh, we have a new random Dutch follower. And I'm like, yeah, followed by Logan Saunders. What a surprise. Have you got anything else you want to say on that note? Uh, Can't think of anything. Well, I suppose if Rick's leaving after this season... At least we've got another journalist as the winner. They can just, you know, slot in as the host without anyone really complaining. Yeah, like, 
I mean, we'll obviously talk about this next week, but if Rick does end up leaving, Daniel isn't a terrible choice. No. Renomi's not a terrible choice. No, Daniel's a super fan. He would very much appreciate it. He obviously knows his stuff. Like, there are far worse choices for a replacement for Rick. You're on. Don't even put that out there. And I have one final thing to mention, which is happy birthday for the weekend. Thank you. I know we'll end up talking about it next week, but have a nice birthday. I will. I don't, I don't know whether you being uncovered as the mall was a good birthday present, but we'll find out when we get there. Is it Sunday your birthday? Yes. So the episode goes up on Sunday my time, and then I'll you know find out while I'm sleeping in. I mean, I should know these things like when your birthday is. I thought it was Sunday, but I was just making sure. You should. This podcast is all about me. It is. It certainly has been this season. So, thank you for listening to our podcast all about David Bindley this week. We'll be back next week to conclude the hunt for another new mole in South Africa. Don't forget, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are TV Warriors. You can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Bindley is on Twitter at The Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week for the reunion. Good for Chicken Shit getting over that bridge. <laughs>